Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there. Thank you for listening to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle and I am One Organized Mama. This episode is the second of a three-part series that I am doing that focuses on professional organizers. Now, whether you are an aspiring professional organizer wanting to get into the business, or perhaps you're a new professional organizer that's just now starting to get out there and work in client homes, or a more seasoned professional organizer that's been in the business for a little bit, you might find some bits of information and nuggets from this podcast series that series that you can incorporate into your own business. One thing that I've learned throughout the years being in the professional organizing industry is this, the learning never stops. You're always learning about new products, about how to be more efficient with working with your clients. And so even now, even though I've stepped away from working one-on-one with clients, I still like to go out there and learn. There's always something new out there, always something that you can incorporate to make your sessions and your knowledge of organizing and time management just a little bit better, a little more efficient. Now... We all know (laughs) that organizing for clients is a completely different beast than when we organize for ourselves in our own homes and spaces. And sometimes that beast can get a little challenging. So what my hope is, I'm going to go through four different spaces with you in this episode, is that again, you can take a little tiny nugget, maybe kind of pack it away in your pocket. And when you find yourself in a challenging situation that you're able to sort of pull it out and it can just kind of help you get through that tough little spot. Also, I want to give you kind of a different perspective. I like to be really honest, very open with you guys. I like to tell you a lot of personal stories from my time as a professional organizer And just give you, again, sometimes a little bit of a different perspective. Just look at things like, you know, from a different direction. I think that sometimes is always helpful in this business and in this industry. So obviously, my podcast is one of several resources that I have for those who want to learn organization, time management techniques, and also more about being a professional organizer. If you want to learn more, or if you just need a little bit more, I really encourage you to go over to my website, oneorganizedmama.com, and just check out what I have. Um, I have a lot of different resources that I'm always 
creating, developing, changing, trying to make better for you all. So I encourage you to go over there and check out what my latest offerings are. So this series is based on the 10 modules that I created when I had a team of professional organizers with One Organized Mama here in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is sort of how I kept us all on the same page. I just kind of took some time, you know, decided what is it that we do, put it on paper and kind of created sort of like a training manual, if you will. So lucky you, I'm kind of taking all of my secrets and just sharing them with you. So again, four different spaces in this episode. And those spaces are going to be garages slash storage units, kitchens slash pantries, closets, and children's spaces. So I have a lot to talk about. So let's dive in. All right. Let's start with garages and storage spaces. First, it should be noted, why do we have stuff in garages and storage spaces? The very simple answer is this. They're generally meant for long-term storage, right? I mean, we generally put items in these spaces that we don't use every day. So I have a lot to talk about when it comes to garages and storage units. Let's start with storage units though. So storage units are a bit of a pet peeve of mine, I'll be honest, and this is why. Number one, they're very, very expensive. And I really believe that storage units are really meant and designed for temporary storage. For instance, <clears throat> my we uh, bought and sold our home three and a half years ago. So we moved. So we were in a market where houses were selling very quickly. So we sold our home and then we had like a six week period where before we found another house and were able to close and move in it. So we had to uh, move in with family, which was super fun and move our belongings into storage units. We had to use two, in fact, because we're a family of five. And so that was designed to kind of put have a safe place to put place our items, our furniture, before we could move into our new home. They're fantastic for that. But oftentimes what happens, and I'm speaking from personal experience, not just with clients, but with family and friends. And in fact, a lot of times I'll have a family or friend who will say, hey, can you help me organize my storage unit? And I'll say, no, nope because I don't want them to have the storage units. A lot of times what I have encountered, again, whether it be with clients, family, friends, is that people have placed items in storage units because they quote unquote are valuable, like a couch that they purchased, a nice couch that is no longer in style or they don't have space for. A lot of household items, clothing is very common, and these storage units are holding these items. And I think the intention a lot of times is for it to be temporary, but then I've gone into more more storage units than I can count, and you kind of do this calculation in your head, and I do it like this, like if we were to have a yard sale today, how much would they get for all of this stuff? And then you kind of take that and subtract it from the cost of keeping the storage units. 
Now, truth be told, I wouldn't necessarily be that bold with a client. I am very much that bold with family and friends. But that's a little piece of nugget that you can kind of maybe incorporate when talking to a client. So again, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, what am I helping you organize in your storage unit? We're going to move around a bunch of boxes that you're going to keep stored, boxes of stuff that you have no use for, obviously, because otherwise it wouldn't be in your storage unit. Now, I mean, there are some exceptions, like for instance, holiday decor and seasonal items like that. Yes, that makes sense for it to have a storage unit. But let's be honest, that's not how how it always ends up. So even though someone might say, hey, Janelle, I totally disagree with you. We only keep our holiday decor and our seasonal stuff in a storage unit. Nothing else goes in there. Well, you, my friend, would be in the minority. So let's talk about garages, though, for a second. Now, there's something that I want you to consider that could also apply to storage units as well. But from a professional organizer standpoint, I want you to consider this. I actually want you to have a bit of compassion for your clients when it comes to the items that they have in their garages. And again, coming from a lot of personal experience working with clients, this is why I want you to have some compassion for your clients. They are storing a lot of stuff in garages and long-term storage A lot of times motivated by fear and loss and sometimes even obligation. So sometimes these are a little bit tricky for your clients when you're working with them. So again, I really do want you to kind of approach the situation. It's not just stuff in a garage. A lot of times this is definitely an area where there's a lot of attached emotion to to this stuff. I've encountered it, for instance, when I've had a client who has had a loved one who's passed away and they've acquired the loved one's belongings and maybe they're too painful to see every day because it'll remind them of the loss. So what do they do? They're not quite ready to get rid of the items. So they, a lot of times, will place them in a storage unit or a garage. And what you'll also see on this is that this is actually very common when it comes to the loss of a loved one. So when you are hired by a family member, I would be, it would be safe to say that you're hired by the family member who wants to sort of get rid of the items. That's the way that they're coping with the loss. And so you'll see this sort of divide sometimes in families where One family member is saying, let's get rid of it. They're gone. Why are we holding on to their stuff? And then another family member who was saying, I am not ready to let go of their belongings. And so again, it's just something as a professional organizer that it's a good idea for you just to kind of approach the situation with some understanding and compassion. And even though we're not professional therapists, sometimes you kind of have to put on your like... (laughs) therapy hat and do a little bit of just sort of negotiating um, between the, the two sides and trying to compromise the best that you can. The other thing about long-term storage and items that get 
placed in there are they're there for fear, reasons of fear. So for instance, this is what I mean. Someone has an item and it's of great value. It's something that they they can tell you exactly down to the penny how much money that they paid for that item. They know the date, they know where they were, and they just can't let go of it. So again, your job as a professional organizer is to, you know, you have to know your client, but sometimes it's okay to sort of kind of get a little bit more information from them. And so you might want to challenge them in a very respectful manner by saying, well, you're not using it any longer. Why are we why why are we hanging on to it? And sometimes with a client, they might kind of come back at you and say, because if I get rid of it, I may need it in the future. Very valid reason. But then you might want to kind of push a little further and say, well, you could you could purchase a new one. And then it comes up as but what if I can't afford it? So again, that's something that you really definitely want to work on with your client. Again, the client always, always makes the final decision. As a professional organizer, it's never your job to make that decision for them, especially with that. And I just would really advise you, even if they're saying, yeah, go ahead, you can make the decision. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I promise you I wouldn't. So You might have to get a little bit of creative and come up with some solutions to store certain items. And again, kind of approaching it with some compassion and understanding. So let's talk about obligation for a quick minute. All right. What do I mean by obligation? So I have walked into a client's garage before and I'm like, all right, so we're working along, we're getting through these boxes. And then I'll mention, so that stack of boxes over there we're going to work on that next. And they'll say, whoa, 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 those aren't mine. And I'm like, well, whose are they? And they'll say, well, my sister-in-law, she moved to Germany, blah, 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 blah. And so we're holding on to her stuff. We're storing her stuff for her. And I'm like, okay, when did this move happen? Oh, three years ago. Then what on earth? Well, when is she moving back? Well, she's probably not then why are you holding on to her stuff? She Does she remember she has boxes here? So this is one of those areas that I will probably push my clients to address a little bit more because there really isn't a reason to be a free storage unit for family and friends. There just isn't. Now, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a hypocrite when I'm telling you this. So my husband when he listens to this episode, will roll his eyes because we have two, our two of our oldest are now adults. And so when we go through the garage and garages are always those areas where things just accumulate. So when it starts to get cooler, my husband will say, all right, let's go. Let's get in the garage. And there's always those boxes. And at the time right now, so my oldest is 26. So He joined the military at 18, so he's been away from home for eight years. I still have some of his stuff. Now, it's been whittled down over the years, but I do still have a few of his items. So I am a bit of a hypocrite. I am really, really, I'm just being super honest with you when it comes to this. It's hard. It's hard to just completely get rid of my kids stuff. But again, I have whittled it down. And I think it's maybe down to like a couple of bins now. And so (laughs) 
Again, when I'm working with clients, I will share this with clients sometimes just because it's relatable, right? And it definitely has been a process. And for whatever reason or whatever, I just attach a lot of emotion to my kids' stuff. And especially my oldest, I think it's like something about the firstborn and all of those milestones were so tremendous. And I'm not saying they weren't tremendous for my second and third kid. They just, you've been through them before, right? And so um, I think definitely for my firstborn, it was really hard to get rid of like the first Halloween costume. And even though I've been through 8,072 Halloweens between all three kids, I just remember that first Halloween and it was really significant. And I just thought he looked super cute as a little baby tiger. And so definitely when it comes to that, I've just let my husband know my son could care less about that costume. It's really for me. So I've kind of had him understand it's not actually out of obligation. If it was up to my son, he would tell me, mom, my gosh, get rid of it. Um, but it's just definitely something that, you know, I have and I like to keep and, um, definitely something that I've worked my way through over the years. And I'm not actually not as bad when it comes to kid number two and three, which I don't think is super uncommon. I think those poor second, third and so on children, um, we don't always save as much of their stuff as we do our firstborn sometimes. But back to the obligation of it again, really take a look at the items, maybe remind the person or have your client remind the person like, hey, can we take some photos and see, does your sister-in-law still want all of this stuff? A lot of times what I found is that people would say like, oh my gosh, they completely forgot that they had this stuff here and they said, go ahead and donate it. So Again, fear, loss, obligation, kind of some things that you want to consider while you're tackling the contents of your client's garages. Now, the other thing I want you to consider when you are on a call for a garage or a storage unit is this. Define your client's goal. Help them define their goal. Even if the goal is something as simple as we just want to park our car in the garage, that is the goal. Or maybe they want to make a workspace, like a workbench, do woodworking or crafting or make it into a home gym. Find and define their goal. This is the reason why. Remember all those challenges I just talked to you about? If you know your client's goal, you can remind them. So again, going back to the boxes from the sister-in-law. If you look at those boxes and you measure or you kind of show your client like, hey, look, if we were to get rid of these, this would give you the exact room you need to park your car. Or if we were to whittle these down, it would definitely give you space for a workbench. So you definitely want to define your goal and the goal should be defined during the assessment period. So I always encourage professional organizers to do an assessment. A lot of organizers I found, you guys like to do this over the phone. I'm kind of, you know, a uh, old fashioned girl, I guess. I like to do it in person. And I know it's sometimes a waste, not a waste, but it's a lot of gas of driving around. 
but you really want the opportunity to see that project firsthand. Not only that, you want to really connect with your client. That's how a lot of the professional organizers out there are getting jobs is that face-to-face interaction with clients. And yes, in the era of COVID, you definitely want to be very conscientious of that and communicate any kind of precautions with your client on the phone before you go to their home. But definitely get over there, get in person, do an assessment, really listen to your client, ask questions, try to help them find what their goal is. Why are they calling you? Why does it matter? Like if they don't have a goal for the garage, then why would they call a professional organizer? They definitely have a goal, kind of do some digging, ask some questions and find out what that goal is going to be. Because like I said, this is a tough space to organize. And if you have a defined goal that you can remind them through the process, it will make both of your jobs much easier. Now, the other thing about garages I want you to think about is zoning. So if you're familiar with the four steps that I use, step number one, declutter and sort. Step number two, create a zone. Step number three, label and contain, and step number four, teach and maintain. So step number two is zoning. Zoning is simply space planning. Now, this is really meant more for the professional organizer side. I have tried to introduce this to my clients and they're just not on, on board. I've tried doing like color coding. And one time we worked for a family of 12. It's my Dr. Phil family. So if you kind of scroll through Instagram and I use like colored duct tape to try to like label different areas, it doesn't always resonate for some reason with clients. Like they'll be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then you're like, okay, all of your Christmas stuff is in your red zone and your gardening is in the green zone. And it sounds great, but it doesn't always, like I said, resonate. And it's just because of life. Like a lot of times clients are just not going to go out there and maintain it. But I do encourage you to have that mindset while you're organizing for your clients. So whether you need to use color-coded stickers or signs or whatever to help you kind of zone your client's garage, again, the different colored duct tape is really, really great because you can kind of map it out sections on the floor and it'll just kind of help you with different zoning so you can measure map things out um play say hey this is where your your sports items are this is where you're gardening these are your holiday and just kind of help you in getting in there and getting the garage organized so again focus on zoning now the next thing that i want to talk to you about is You can't be that cute when you're organizing garages or storage units. You cannot be that cute. So this is the day that you want to wear the grubby tennis shoes. Obviously, again, this should not be the first time that you're meeting your client. So don't show up in this outfit, you know, at first. Again, this is why you do an assessment. This is where you can wear like the cute dangly earrings and the cute top and the cute jeans and the cute sandals. And they get to meet that cute, you know, if you're if you're a woman, of course, you, they get to meet the cute, very well put together professional organizer. And then when you show up, if they're hiring you for a garage and you're just wearing some tennis shoes, <laughs> 
that are just a little grubby, it's a little bit more forgiven. You also want to wear clothing where you are protected. So closed-toed shoes, long pants, and a proper fitting t-shirt or shirt. You also generally want your hair back and you don't want anything kind of, again, jewelry or anything like that. In garages, and again, I live in a place where the one thing about Las Vegas, like, yeah, we have scorpions and snakes, but they're not something that we encounter all of the time. But what we do have that I have found are some pretty scary spiders. And I didn't know, (laughs) it wasn't until I was a professional organizer, did I know how black widow eggs uh, show up. I I had no idea what they were and how potentially like problematic they could be. So that's definitely something I learned as a professional organizer. And so you definitely want to go in, prepare, don't let it freak you out, take a pair of gloves. And when I had my team, I always provided everyone with a pair of gloves. Once in a while, I would start wearing them. But generally, after a while, I just kind of knew what to look for. The other thing that I want you to be very aware of is your personal safety. So not just from pets, pests and potential hazards like that, but also you're going to be doing a lot of lifting and carrying and climbing. And a quick funny story. One time I was in a client's garage and I think she had, it was either like a six foot ladder or an eight foot ladder. And so while I was standing on the ladder and she's handing me bins and we're putting in the overhead storage and I'm like standing at the top of the ladder while she's handing me like super awkward, heavy bins. And I'm like trying to, I'm not like the most in shape person. So I'm like, my core muscles really got to work out and my arms So I'm just like really trying to stay super hyper focused so I don't fall off this ladder. She proceeds to tell me, did you know that the type of ladder, the size of ladder that you're standing on, um, when people fall off of it, it has the greater number of fatal falls. You heard me right, fatal. And I was like, what? And she said, she went on to explain some kind of crazy scenario about like, yeah, because the human body, when it falls from that height, doesn't have time to adjust itself in the air. I don't know. She went into great explanation about basically how you could fall and like break your neck or hit your head and die. And I was like literally standing on the ladder. So obviously that has stuck with me. So I'm very, very careful when it goes, when it comes to climbing on ladders. And again, I don't remember the size that she said, and I'm not trying to scare anybody out there, but I'm just saying, be very careful and don't work in garages by yourself. Try to bring an assistant. If you don't have the client, they're able or willing to work with you. So be very conscientious about your well-being and about your safety while working in garages. The last thing that I wanted to suggest to you that you might want to do, and again, you could offer this to your client, but this is actually a tool that's really helpful for the professional organizer, is to kind of try to keep an inventory. So as you're working along, just take a notebook or you can create kind of a cute little spreadsheet or worksheet. It's definitely something that you can leave with your client, but especially if you're working and you're packing bins by yourself, I promise you, you'll get that phone call where your your client will be in a panic at Christmas time 
and they're going to ask where the elf on the shelf is, or they're going to ask where some kind of Christmas decor is or something. And you're going to be like, ah, so if you can just sort of maybe kind of keep a general inventory, obviously you're going to have labels for your bins in the garage. But again, you can't put every single thing on there. So having some kind of inventory will definitely kind of help you and your client communicate where items are. Okay, let's move on to the next area, which are kitchens and pantries. All right, so kitchen. Kitchen, I just think of the kitchen as the center of the home. For the most part, I would say most families live in their kitchens. They do a lot of different activities. I know it's certainly true in our home. It's literally the center of our home. Everyone goes through it every day, multiple times a day. There's a lot of drop zones in the kitchen. We obviously prepare meals, we eat, we gather, we, you know, do all kinds of things in our kitchen. Laptops are there, cell phones are there, phone chargers, Bluetooth speakers, everything is sort of in the kitchen. So when you are assessing for a client's kitchen, I want you to, during that assessment period, ask your client, what other activities are done in your kitchen? Again, normally it's pretty obvious that they do cook, bake, and eat in the kitchen, but what else do they do? Do they pay bills? Do they have a home office set up in their kitchen? It's very likely and very common to have children do homework in their kitchen. Maybe there's a craft space. Maybe there is a lot of, I'm trying to think of if there's anything like a pet center, like a lot of um, people have a whole area like for their pets in their kitchen. There are a lot of activities that can be done in a kitchen. So when you're going in for a kitchen for to help someone organize your kitchen, you really want to sort of assess and take into consideration all of the different activities. Again, you'll probably have to be pretty creative. But you'll also want to kind of assess during that time, like if they say something like, oh, I don't, I definitely don't bake. I never, ever bake. And then you'll see like a big mixing, a big mixer on their kitchen or a bread machine or something. And you're like, and maybe they're a little dusty. And so you'll say, well, you said you've never, you never bake. Do you actually use these appliances? And it might be something where they can just sort of say like, oh gosh, yeah, why am I holding on to that? Sometimes those appliances are taking up super valuable space in a kitchen. So in that case, you'll want to do um, what I call the sticker technique or use by date technique where you just stick a sticky note on it and say use by and have your client give you a date, a reasonable date that they may use that item. And if they don't, you might want to encourage them again to sell it or to donate it, especially if it's something that they're not using that's taking up valuable space. Now, let's talk a little bit about zoning. This is something that I did encounter quite a bit with um, professional organizers. Sometimes in the kitchen, and my gosh, I know there are a billion different Instagram photos out there of the most perfectly appointed kitchens. In fact, side note, someone just messaged me on one of my photos on my Instagram. And she said, Oh my gosh, your photos are so realistic, your after photos. And I was like, that is the best compliment anyone's ever given me. 
because who really does, I think she said something like, who really does have like rainbow colored food in their pantries and rainbow colored cleaning supplies that are all the same size? Well, nobody. And so I know out there, kitchens are a great way to get some really great shots. Here's a tip. If with your client's permission, of course, because taking photos does take up valuable time that they're paying you for. What I would do is once you're done with the space, ask your client if you can get some photos because they do do really well on social media for advertising for your business. Ask them if you can do a little staging. And so maybe you want to throw in as a thank you some extra cute labels or containers or something as a thank you. And just so you know, just like with when we take our photos of our kids, like the quote unquote, like random snap, and then we're like, crap, there's laundry in the background. And you tell your kids like, scoot over this way, or you go and remove the junk out of the photo. That's what you do. That's what we're doing out there with those professional organizing photos. So again, yes, you can definitely stage it to get some really great marketing photos for your business, but I don't want you to stress I don't want you to stress about like over organizing your client's kitchen. What you should really be doing is again, listen to your clients, find out what their needs are, and then focus on ease and use when it comes to the kitchen. So even though it might not look super, super pretty to put like a crock of utensils on the kitchen counter, but it might actually make sense for your clients. So maybe they don't have a lot of drawer space, but they are avid cooks. So even though the um, cooking utensils might be not be so pretty, they might be a little, you know, browned or scraped on or used, that's okay if it makes sense for your client. So again, remember, it's all about your client. It's not about you when it's organize, organizing the space for another person. Okay, the other thing I want you to consider when it comes to organizing for clients is this. I want you to ask, what do you have permission to throw away? And I'm going to give a caveat here. Even if they tell you, oh, go ahead, throw away all kinds of, throw away all the expired stuff. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a bin with a plastic bag or a box and then place all those items. Don't just throw them, but place them in there. And then when they come and they're like, oh my gosh, what happened to all my food and spices? You can say, well, I took out all the expired items like we discussed, but they're over in that box or bin over there. So I didn't toss them out. Feel free to go through because I have found that a lot of clients are totally fine if something's a little bit beyond the expiration date. I've heard a lot of controversial things about expiration dates. Like sometimes they're just more so you can the item is still good, but that you can buy so you can buy it again. I don't know. Again, it's not up for you to decide. It's up for your client to decide. So, and again, when it comes to what do you have permission to toss, I would be very specific with them. And I would probably even get it in writing just so that there's not any kind of miscommunication at the end of your session or that they're looking for something after you leave. Okay, the other area of the kitchen and pantry I want you to really kind of consider is the fridge in the pantry, or excuse me, the fridge and the freezer. <clears throat> the fridge and the freezer a lot of times are overlooked by professional organizers, 
they're not the most fun. They're not my favorite. Um, what I really do encourage my clients to do is to actually kind of go through once a week or when they do their grocery shopping and just kind of do a wipe out and purge of stuff, you know, sticky ketchup bottles that have, you know, a millimeter of ketchup left in them or leftovers that kind of got shoved to the back of the fridge. So just kind of go through if it's something that you have their permission and just if anything, do a quick wipe down, straighten up. Again, you don't have to worry about bins. I've been seeing the refrigerator bins for organizing everywhere. I have tried them. It's just a lot of times they make sense for some items like lunch meats or cheeses or something. But for the most part, they're just another thing that you're going to have to keep up with and clean in your fridge, quite honestly. So you kind of have to decide if they're worth the time and the effort. All right. And I kind of went over this tip a little bit earlier. But again, just to reiterate, do not fuss or over fuss over labels and containers. I am a big believer in kitchen containers use clear. I'm not, I don't love clear containers for bins or a lot of things, but I do like it for um, pantries specifically because then you don't have to worry about labels. When, if you pour the, the bag of oatmeal in a clear container, you know it's oatmeal. And a little tip with that, I would cut out the instructions. So like the, like for instance, rice, um, a lot of times rice is nice to put in a plastic container and then I would just cut out the instructions and you can actually just drop it inside the container so they have the instructions in there. Or if you can find these little, um, their business card labels are clear, they adhere, you can just stick them on clear containers or on the bottom of them. And it's actually kind of nice because you can slide the directions, the cooking directions into something like that. But again, don't over fuss. Don't make a big deal. Don't, unless a client really, really, you know, they're going to keep up with it. Like as far as labeling every stinking thing, again, it's such a pet peeve of mine. Like nobody is going to have like, like dried cranberries or figs. I mean, like who eats figs that often anyway, that you're going to have this. And I promise you the fig container is going to have like, you know, Cheerios in it at some point because you don't, you went through a fig phase and now you've kind of moved on and you're not eating them anymore or whatever. So again, I I just am not a huge fan of spending a ton of time, a ton of money or effort into labeling everything in a kitchen. Use some common sense. Like again, like unless it's like salt or sugar, which you can just slap a little label on the bottom you pretty much know what stuff is when you look through the container. Okay, so moving on, we're going to talk about closets, closets in general. So again, let's go over the four steps real quick. Declutter and sort, create a zone, label and contain, teach and maintain. When you're going into a closet, any type of closet, linen closet, master bedroom closet, kids closet, you have to make sure they're going to purge. They have to be willing to get rid of stuff because a lot of times, and again, from personal experience, closets get overstuffed. Like right now, I have to say my kids' linen closet, so the linen closet in our hallway is stuffed to the max right now, and I don't even know why. In fact, 
a little embarrassing. My So my daughter has a friend who's been staying with us who's going to cosmetology school. Her boyfriend came over one day and refolded everything in our linen closet. And I was like, wow, who did this? And they're like, Tyler did. And I'm like, oh, awesome. But that's a little embarrassing. But I have no idea. I, we, it just was a crazy summer. We had family coming in. I think I may have picked up some extra pillows and towels. Somehow we ended up with some extra bedding and blankets. And it just literally got shoved in that linen closet. So if someone were to come to, to my house, if I hired a professional organizer, I'd be like, yes, well, obviously we need to get rid of some of this stuff. I don't even have enough space for it. So this can be applied also to a lot of different other types of closets out there. So certainly closets that have clothes and a lot of different stuff. So you definitely want to make sure, are you willing to get rid of some of this stuff? And again, if they say yes, bag them up as donations and then kind of have your clients just go through and check because again, they're not working with you, you definitely want to make sure that they are truly giving their permission for you to get rid of some of this stuff. But even if your clients say no, and I've had this happen where clients are like, no, I love my clothing. And I'm like, yeah, because you have beautiful clothing. And I will still kind of go through and maybe take out some items. So for instance, you can kind of tell maybe if it's something that you can tell hasn't been worn in a very long time. And especially if it's a client that you've been working with for a while, you'll kind of pick up on this. So I might just kind of remove some items that way I can sort of show my client like, look how nice this looks now that I've pared down for you. But don't worry, I didn't get rid of everything or anything. Everything that I pulled out is right over here. And so they can kind of go through and a lot of times that'll encourage them to sort of do a quick declutter and purge of some of those items. All right, let's talk about closets with clothes for just a second. And when we talk about that, let's talk about hangers because hangers will make a huge difference in your closet. I personally love the wood hangers, but I know that the felt hangers are so, so popular, especially in women's closets. And so I'm like the one female out there that doesn't super love felt hangers, but I have to have them for my clothes because I have tank tops and like, you know, wide neck um, shirts that will fall off of a wooden hanger. So I do have to incorporate some of the felt hangers. But I will say this, if you keep the hangers very uniform, it will make a closet look much neater. So whether it's something that you want to offer your clients, or if it's something that you want to see if your clients want to make an investment in, decide on what type of hanger is going to work best for, for your clients. So the options are generally wood, plastic, and felt. And I will say this, when it comes to plastic, just do white. White hangers are generally, you're always going to be able to find white hangers. If you do the different colors and stuff, um, and I've talked about this before, I don't really purchase containers or anything that have like um, trendy or in-season colors because it's usually kind of a limited supply and you're not going to be able to find those down the road to replace or to... Um, update. So generally speaking, just stick with like white 
Also, when it comes to um, a closet, you really kind of, again, want to have a, a take a step back and take um, a big perspective of the space. Don't forget that there's a lot of different hidden spaces in closets, like for instance, the back of the closet door. That is very valuable storage space. You can put hooks on there. You can get very creative. You can hang jewelry or belts or scarves. Also, sometimes there's some wall space in closet that you can also do um, some really creative things. The other great thing about closets and going back to my linen closets is the use of different bins. So sometimes like I have folded probably more fitted sheets in a lifetime than most people have. I mean, for all the closets I've done and I suck at folding a fitted sheet. I really do. I, I've watched a million YouTube videos. I don't know. I think I just get impatient with it and stuff like I can if I really take my time. And so I, um, I actually prefer to put sheet sets just in a bin and just label them guest bedroom queen or something like that. And I mean, for the most part, you don't need really more than two, maybe three max sets of sheets for each bed in the house anyway. So again, you might want to have your clients sort of pare down and I mean, a, sh- a bed can only have one set of sheets on it at a time. The other could be going through the laundry and by the time it's clean, if you change or if they change sheets that frequently, you know, they can have that rotation. But basically containers, this is something you can, you know, buy them at Ikea or Target, um, a lot of different options. Again, if you are going out to buy, make sure you are measuring, measuring, measuring for containers, especially before you go make that investment for your clients. All right, now let's talk about color coding because again, this is something very trendy and popular, especially in social media. Do not get into the weeds when it comes to color coding for your clients or because think about it for a second. What do we have in closets, especially if you have a married couple? So you have the husband's clothes and the the wife's clothes. So for the husband, you might have like T-shirts, collared shirts, long sleeve, short sleeve, pants like jeans, work pants, and then maybe some jackets and business suits, right? So for the wife's side of the closet, you might have tank tops. And then we know with tank tops, you have spaghetti strap, the regular strap, and then you go into sleeveless and then to cap sleeve, short sleeve, three quarters length sleeve to long sleeve. I mean, that's just one shirt, right? And so when it comes to organizing for clients, you know, clients are going to give you all kinds of ideas and they're going to show you those photos from Instagram that are impossible, really. And you're going to be like, um, okay, so great. And you'll say probably yes to, do, to it. But what I would encourage you to do is just really keep it simple when it comes to, to doing the different zoning for your clients with their closet. And I would just keep it very simple to color coding. So like whites and off-white colored clothes in one section, grays and blacks in another, greens and blues in another. And you can kind of do a little bit of a color gradient, whatever you think looks nice, but I wouldn't really get super stressed about it because you can get really lost in the weeds and then (laughs) you're Googling like, 
fuchsia versus what other types of pink there are and then the different types of reds and it will just absolutely drive you nuts. So don't get into the weeds when it comes to zoning for your clients. All right. The last thing that I want to talk about is folding. So sometimes we have to get in there and we have to fold for our clients. So you'll want to, for instance, ask them, what do you prefer to have folded? Like maybe for instance, sweaters. So the one thing I want you to remember when it comes to folded, whether it be pants or whether it be um, uh, sweaters and stuff is to be very conscientious about how you do fold them and what part of the of is showing. So for instance, um, with jeans, I always say the back pockets should touch. You hang it over the hanger so you can see the straight edge. It looks really, really nice. Makes a lot of difference in how the, the closet looks. So basically no butts. So don't let any butts show when you are hanging pants or jeans. And of course, if you're hold, uh, folding like sweatshirts, sweaters, the folded part should always be showing. And again, just little tips and tricks that help make a closet look really professional and neat and done. Okay, my gosh, I have so much to talk about. So we're going to get to children's spaces last. And this is the next section. Section. So let's talk about children's spaces for a second. The one word I want you to consider when organizing for children is this. Easy you need to make it easy. You need to make it easy on the child and you should make it easy on the parents. If possible, try to get the kids involved. I think this is a great opportunity to teach about donations. It's something that I've definitely always have taught my kids like, hey, you're extremely fortunate. And sometimes when you have a lot of stuff, it's it's good to go through and to make sure that we are helping other people that are not as fortunate as we are. And sometimes explaining different organizations that are very important to the family um, or asking kids. A lot of times kids, kids are freaking awesome when it comes to donating. I wish sometimes, sometimes parents would take a look at their kid and be like, look how much your kid is giving away and um, definitely incorporate that and have the same giving spirit sometimes. But I, I always like this term. Have you heard of the kiss? K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, silly. I want you to kiss when it comes to kids. Don't actually kiss anyone's kids though. So keep it simple, silly. And for this, I want you to really, again, see if you can get the kids involved in what they can get rid of, what they can donate, um, as far as toys and a lot of their belongings. But also, I want you to ha- take the opportunity to ask the kids, like, what toys do you actually play with? What do you like to do? And then take what they like to do and incorporate it into your organization design and plan. So for instance, maybe you have a kid who's an avid reader. And so you want to create sort of a little nook where they can have all their books and maybe a comfy little beanbag or chair where they can sit and do some reading. Or maybe you have a super creative kid who really likes to do arts and crafts. So maybe you're incorporating a really nice little zone. The way that I want you to think about this, that if you have children of your own, or if you've ever been inside of um, 
a classroom, especially for younger children or preschool, how are those set up? So they're usually set up in little zones. So they have like the computer zone, they have kind of the, the active play zone, maybe with the train sets and the dollhouse. Um, they also have like a reading zone, kind of like a more quiet area. So that's something you don't have to get super, I mean, creative as far as that. You don't have to like spend a lot of money doing this. Definitely, this is something that you want to just incorporate what the client and what the child already has, you know, again, depending on the budget of your client. But definitely listen to the child, listen to the children, kind of find out what they have. It's really kind of a neat little special thing that you can do for children is to incorporate and whatever their favorite activities are, kind of make a special little space for them. The other thing I want you to remind your client is that purging should be done before birthdays or Christmas or any holidays where the children are given gifts. So this is something that I incorporated in my my life a long time ago, that when my kids are summer birthdays and then we celebrate Christmas. So generally they get two purges a year. So right before birthdays hit, I'm kind of going in there and doing a quick little purge with a trash bag. Usually these are not the toys that I would donate. These are the broken things and kind of just kind of getting rid of stuff because I know they're going to have this influx of, of presents and gifts and toys and that type of thing. So definitely encourage some purging um, when it comes to kids. All right. The other thing I just wanted to say, again, in the era of COVID, is also take into consideration homework or distance learning. So, man, this smacked me like I don't even know what. This is not something... I was prepared for um, when we went to full-time distance learning with the kids. So I had at the time a senior and what was he? Third grader. So he was a third grader and a senior at the time. And I was like, it, I felt like it just took our life and just turned it upside down, shook it up. And I didn't even know. And then I had people like asking me, so can you give some organizing tips? And I was like, super honest about it. I'm like, guys, I'm barely keeping my head above water with this. Um, so no, I, I really don't have any organizing tips. But now kind of looking back about a year and a half later, I did learn a lot of different stuff and kind of got my act together eventually. And so that was definitely something that I realized was important to really have incorporated into our house. So I got really serious about making sure that we had supplies on hand, you know, paper erasers, uh, chargers for computers, and more importantly, just space, kind of. And they needed space away from each other um, when it came to uh, homework and stuff. Sometimes my kids can encourage each other um, working together, but not always. <laughs> so sometimes they needed just a little bit of space. And also space where I felt like my whole house wasn't like a classroom either. So definitely something, again, in this day and age of... COVID that you might want to incorporate and just be mindful of when organizing for clients. So, so much to talk about. I actually thought this was going to be a lot shorter than it was. So once you get me going, I just, I'm just have a lot to talk about. 
So again, thank you for listening to this episode of the One Organized Mama podcast. Stay tuned. I'll have part three of this series coming at you very soon. And like I said, please, please, please take a moment, go over to my website, see what resources I have available for you. Sometimes I'm doing some coaching, some online classes, some other types of resources. I'm always kind of brainstorming, trying to come up with the best content for you. So head over to my website, One Organized Mama, and it's mama.com, and check out and see what I have available for you over there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One Organized Mama podcast. Until next time. 